No, no AI for the uh, for the intro. I wonder, nice I wonder, I wonder what it would sound like. It would be weird. Let's run a jewels. Some uh, some killer Mike for the youth. Yep, we could. Congrats on the sweep on the Grammys, and then getting swept right into handcuffs because of some bullshit charge. But that's I know. that's what happens hang, in America. I know we got we got someone invading a podcast. What's up? <laughs> you love Joey as much as she does. Uh kind of a weird intro yeah uh, but for those uh, <laughs> for people who who here, not, yeah yeah tim's uh, wife is asking if i like this this season's uh contesticle of the bachelor and the uh i, I you know kyle I, I think he's he's okay but let's let's be honest he got a whole crop of crazies this season like a whole I, crop absolutely but I, I i can't believe your hesitation he's maybe up there with Ben, the big Ben Higgins of no. The Bachelorette. No, no, what? No, no, no. See, Higgins is on Chelsea's Mount Rushmore, but not mine. No, hashtag uh, not my batch. No, this guy, just perfection. 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 Perfect. Yep. What? what? Are we watching the, the same show? Are we watching the yes. same show? I mean, the the crop of crazies I agree with, but he top notch. No, I don't. I don't know that I can. I can because this is my delineator, right? And Tim, you don't know anything about this, but like, Kyle, is he going to hop a fence for true love? If the answer is no, then he's not even top five, right? Like, we can't, we, we can't, we, we can't be putting him on a pedestal and saying he's up there. He's up there? I don't know. He I is, don't know. He is absolutely up there. I feel bad because he, he, like, he didn't know that that two on one was coming, right? Like, clearly, there's drama along right, the house. So Important question before you get back to sports. Who's your who's your top? I'm top so glad two. you asked. I'm so glad you asked because we we do a, a a bachelor fantasy draft, if you will. Oh. Uh, yep, we're in the the Rose League. I'll sit that one out, but I'll let you guys put it in the books. <laughs> next week, next uh, week season the, the five that I chose for this season: yep. Kelsey T, yep. Kelsey A, who's probably gonna fuck around and be the bachelorette. I mean, if we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, I had Sydney and Autumn. I thought Sydney and Autumn would go much further. Obviously, Sydney caught the two on one and you know was sent packing. Yeah, and Autumn was Sydney is but, crazy. Yeah, probably. Uh, Daisy's not on your list. No, can't believe how no. rogue we've gone. Right, right off Sorry, the jump. Sorry, I'm real. I apologize, to everybody. <laughs> this is really important, and I really am crushed that you don't love him as much as no, I do. No, you know he's. He, there's something, something that's. This sounds super weird, so we got to put pause on it. He, there's something about him as a man. It just doesn't do anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's. I, I, I we are coming in to, to finally get Sam to admit Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, and now we're comparing. I derailed uh, it. Just cut this out if you need to cut it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Had to ask. We're gonna roll with it, but I you're gonna have to. Yeah. to you're gonna have to opening three minutes. This beer for me because I read the instruction or the what's in it. Okay. Uh, Celebrity shot. And I'm 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 terrified, but you might you'll probably like it. Okay. Can't read. I'm not supposed to look. No, no, no you can't read it. But uh, let it's, us do the intro. It's the Joey of Let's, beers. I I suppose we get the intro out of the way now, <laughs> yeah, and then we'll go right into this beer. Season four, episode eighteen of Stats to Matter, the one with the Bachelor recap. I'm just kidding. Uh, Super Bowl <laughs> Fifty Eight recap in our cups this week in Imperial Berliner Weiss from Brooklyn, New York. Other half shout out and a triple IPA from North Haven, Connecticut. From abomination that sounds like it's what happens when you put everything from the Rite Aid candy shelf in the bright tank. So we're going to see how this works. Follow us on Instagram at Stats to Matter. 
and Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things whiskey, beer, sports, Valentine's Day candy. I don't know. Maybe Bachelor. Maybe knows. Who knows? Sports is almost over, so might as well talk about you know a rehearsed love show. Uh, find Stats No Matter wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. And let's go. We kind of dove in head first. We went a little rogue. Things got kind of like love, uh, right? Chaotic, just like love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a little, got a little chaotic. So uh, let's see if we can reel this back in. But first, we're going to have uh, my wife come back in here. Celebrity shot. Uh, Where'd you, where'd you go? Yeah, come on. Okay, I'm not going to tell you anything about the beer. Uh, You can't do the thing you normally do where you take like your. She dips her top lip in, so she then licks the that's awesome. like the foam, yeah, out of the peat fuzz, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I can't tell you anything about it. Stunned silence. Got to lean in here and talk about it's it. It's definitely more your kind of beer than mine. What does that even mean? Girl, what flavor it is? It's more your kind. of Get get one good mouthful. I know it's, it's not, not your favorite. Not bad. It's not my favorite though. That's, that's a two tasting. seven five coming in hot. Everyone, she said it's it's not bad. You, you look. If you, you like can see it. her face, she does this like. That's. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> it's like it's like when you have a child who's like, mm. <laughs> and you're like, are you happy? Or are you it's pooping? Totally what are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's not mine either. But uh, so what, what, what are your kind thoughts? of beer is it? Excuse me, before I tell you, what are your thoughts on a uh, one through five rating? Fine. I'm going to give it a. Let me let me make sure that you have the right scale and not Sam's scale. Okay. We're on a scale of one to five. Sam is on a scale from three to five. <laughs> Never gives anything below a three. So okay. a really bad beer, he'll be like, add eh, to three. Yeah, just, just like a little one kid. One or less. So. One, not great. Two and a half, perfectly mediocre beer. I'll give it a two and a half. I was right. I was so it's close. I said two, I said two seven five. I was very I'm close. Not, like, okay. Disgusted by it. Okay, so this it's is just about my <clears> type of beer. Okay, but for you and the listeners, so I got it. It's Joey because it says it's the, love it's letters. The Joey of beers is yep. what it is, and it looked like uh, a little throwback to mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. What type this week. of beer? I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Uh, for for the the listeners, it's literally Satan filling out love notes um, from Abomination Brewing. Nine point six percent for us, so it's a big one. The milkshake style triple IPA oh, yeah, with that's candy hearts, sprinkles, marshmallows, milk sugar, vanilla bean, strawberry, ice cream, and artificial color. I didn't read any of that when I bought the can. I mean, the flavor is not bad. I just not a nice. Yeah, I'm giving this yeah. a uh, like a like a three one. Oh, I thought you were gonna give it like a not see, as uh, range... it's not it's not as crazy on the palate as you would expect. No, it's not super. Ton of sugar though. Ton of sugar. And it doesn't easy IPA. And it doesn't taste like all of that nonsense. I'm I'm probably being a little unfair. It's it's I growing on you. Not growing on me. Like if I knew what was in it and and like as it sits, uh. It kind of relinquishes some of those again, flavors. Again, it's like it's like Joey, right? At first taste, I, you're like, nah, I don't know about this, but the more it sits with you, it gets, I get, I guess, better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's, think uh, I, I can taste some of the like, 
I can taste some of like the tartness from some of the candies that are in there. Like the, I'm gonna guess that's the candy hearts, maybe. Um, it's all right. It's all right. It's a little sweet. It does not taste like a nine point six percent. Probably all the sugar, beer, which is uh mildly terrifying. But for triple IPA, yeah, yeah, I'll st- I'll stick with my score. All right, all right. Uh, I have an imperial blueberry granola Berliner Weiss. Okay, I heard all the stuff you have in yours. Uh, this one has blueberry almonds, toasted coconut, vanilla, maple, cinnamon, milk, sugar, a parfait in a can with a huge dose of blueberries and our hand mixed granola blend, and some milk sugar. Blueberry crunchy. Other half. This thing looks pretty much like a jar of jam on the side of the road, if you will. Yeah. Uh, this is how I know uh, I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. So my daughter's favorite song is the Sesame Street alphabet song. Okay. Uh, and one of the lines in there, and it goes, A is for Apple, B is for C is for, it gets all the way to J. J, jar of jam. <laughs> so now, this entire podcast, that's going to be stuck in my head. And no, I'm not going to be singing it for everybody. All right. That's too bad. Um, <clears throat> pretty good. 7.4%. Obviously, a ton of sugar. Um, nice tart, tart uh, bit of blueberries there. I get a little bit of the granola. Not a ton. Of course, I mean, of course you know, black hog granola brown. That's, that's the OG, right? That's, that's the standard. So um, it's okay. I am going to give it a 3.75. Sours are not necessarily my thing, right? Berliner Weisses are just chock full, usually, of like sugars and other stuff. And this, this one is. So it's going to be tough for me to finish this. Uh, Whole 69 Three, three seven five, folks. So just remember, <laughs> that's just below an outstanding rating of four. Hey, look. <laughs> in, in, the same is, way, okay. in the same way that Kyle thinks that Joey is a four and a half out of five on the bachelor scale, I think he's a three seven. You know what I mean? He's, he's not better than the average poor. I just, I just got to be honest. He's not. Four is not average. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half is average for those. <laughs> okay. It's perfect. Don't worry about it. It's perfect. <laughs> I've never had bigger. I've never had it's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, geez. All right. Well, let's let's actually get into this. Uh, Tim okay. sucks to suck. Okay. Although I got to be honest, for the, about three quarters of the game, Super Bowl Fifty Eight, I was like, oh, oh boy, what did I get myself into here? Like they the Niners might fuck around and win this thing. Um, pretty crazy. Before we get into all the semantics of the game, um. Yeah. We'll just briefly touch on like the tragedy that happened during the Super Bowl parade uh, in Kansas City. Uh, well over 20 people injured. Uh, and sadly, one person's, as of this recording, one person is no longer with us. Uh, she's a radio DJ from Kansas City. Um, absolutely terrible. Like, whether they're still doing the investigation, there's people that are in custody, they're trying to figure out. Um, they said it's not terrorism related, but like, this isn't supposed to happen. You're not supposed to, and we just had a school shooting not too long ago. There was a, a church shooting in, at Joel Austin's mega church, like in, in Houston, like last week. Like, this is, inc- this is crazy, dude. Like, Super Bowl parades are supposed to be a place where families can kind of get out and, like, see the people that they watch on TV close enough. You know what I mean? It's usually free. It's a very big celebration of a team's accomplishment. And it's very difficult to go to a Super Bowl and win and then throw a parade because no one throws a parade if you lose the Super Bowl. It's fucking terrible, man. It's absolutely terrible. And I, you know, our thoughts about to to all those people who are who are injured. Uh, and I and I I gotta be honest, man. I, I hope they throw the fucking book at those guys. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess r- rumor has it, it, it all stemmed from a dispute, right? So not even somebody, I guess, out there looking to, to cause harm to a, a bunch of people. These were folks holding weapons who decided that they were uh, going to use these weapons against each other and uh, had no, literally no, you know, concern about the folks around them. This super crowded place. And yeah, what's, what's unfortunate about it, obviously, not as unfortunate as the folks who were impacted by this, but like I've been to some of these championship uh, parades, and it is a good time. Obviously, there's always a couple folks kind of get out of hand a little bit. Things can get a little rowdy sometimes, but for the most part, everybody's out having a good time. Everyone, I mean, they do them in the middle of the day to help curb some of like the crazy behavior that can go on when people are out. But like, everyone's out drinking and hanging out. There's kids everywhere. It's just it's supposed to be a really fun event for folks who have rooted for a team for an entire season their entire life whatever whatever the case may be but um more alarming though uh dan lembatar did a really good job of covering this on his program today um and there was some some stats he put up and one of them is uh this is, this is a direct quote but tuesday is the sixth anniversary of the parkland mass shooting since then, according to the Gun Violence Archive, there have been 3,370 mass shootings. That equates to 1.5 per day. Over the past six years, guns have killed or injured 5,355 children aged 11 and under. Children aged 11 and under. That is, regardless of what your take is on, on weapons, it, that's not the conversation we're having. For full transparency, I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I think the problem is that these are becoming so commonplace that, and I know what folks, if we were having a, a debate, somebody would call in and say, well, what's the definition of a mass shooting? And it, it'd be a whole bunch of nonsense. The, the point of all of this is that there are individuals who have zero control over their involvement, where they're at, any of that stuff, uh, who are constantly getting pulled into that. That's children. Like that number of of kids impacted. Five thousand three hundred and fifty five kids, eleven and under, who have no say in gun rights. They can't carry a gun. They can't protect themselves. Oftentimes they're just sitting in classrooms at school are getting pulled into these situations and nobody gives a shit. Not not one single thing has been done to curb any of this by anybody. There were hundreds of people at this event carrying weapons. Uh there have been security guards at major events. There I mean the argument is always like the good way the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, we are in we find ourselves constantly in situations where there are people in positions to defend people who aren't able to defend them and people are continuing to get hurt as innocent bystanders, as folks going about their day. As kids sitting in classroom, the fact that my kid has to do gun drills or bad guy drills where he literally has to sit in a corner. And they all have to be quiet and hide from windows in case somebody comes uh, into their school. And while they try to be delicate about that conversation when he comes home and has questions, we can't skirt around those. We have to tell them that bad people do bad things. 
you have to be prepared for it. And it's just such a wild conversation to have. And it's it, frankly one I'm I'm tired of having. It's one I'm and, and there's no there's no end to it. But this is something that has become part of the American staple. It's like part of our way of life. Oh, here's the morning news, here's the weather, here's where the the mass shooting was today. It's insane. Yeah, there's there's just no other way around it. There was <clears throat> there was another and we, we won't we won't dwell on this for the entire podcast because I know it's divisive and everyone has different opinions on gun control and whatnot, but one airplane one airplane had a malfunction and they took all of them mm-hmm. offline until they were all evaluated. There was panel put in place. They came up with a government agency to overlook and understand what's going on with these planes, to investigate what's going on, come out with plans to improve it. None of that exists. None of that exists. Everybody defers to the ATF as their governing body over weapons. But that, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much been neutered by the NRA. To what we see in scenarios like this. Like, there has been no change at any level that has been either universal, where everybody understands the value of it. I'm not saying go around and take everybody's guns. I'm saying that there hasn't been any progress made to meet anywhere in the middle, try to ingest the bigger problem. Took one plane, and the entire fleet was taken out of commission. I don't understand why it's taken so long to do anything about any of this. Yeah, it's it's something. You know, there's a competition committee that uh, meets every single year for sports and decides on rules to make safety a thing. And yet when it comes to um, one of the easiest ways to dispatch someone from this earth, there's shockingly low amounts of rules. It's just, it just gets, gets more and more difficult. I, I mean, 3,000 in the last six years is just, it's a, it's a mind-boggling number. I mean, we went to war for less than that. Hopefully, hopefully there'll be some change there, Tim. Uh, okay, Super Bowl Fifty Eight, not a bad game. Half halftime show, not that great. I know that some millennials are all about it. Usher just doing his thing. Didn't care. What <clears throat> didn't watch most of the halftime show to be honest. Didn't feel that no? uh, little little John coming in was that great. I. Yes, I know. I thought the first half was a little on the slow side. Definitely. I think yeah. it picked up and got much better in the second half of it. But yeah, it was kind of a weird kind of a weird feel to me. I had a I had a realization today that every generation, right, prefers their music over the generation that came before it. Too true, right. too true. So we, you know, especially with when it comes to like rap and R and B had a whole nother generation that came afterwards that we were kind of like hit or miss on with like two chains and like that genre of music. We are old enough now that the youths who are most influential in music have their own version. And now they hate the version that we didn't like that replaced ours. So we're like three generations from what our peak music was. And I think Usher was a perfect example of that. Like, in my mind, he probably should have had somebody newer come out and kind of help augment. What was, I don't know who the guitarist was. And oh, I'm, her. I'm she killed it. She, like, she oh, took her. away from yeah. 
Yeah, she took away from like the performance stuff because she was so much better than he was. And then I didn't realize Jermaine Dupree was that short. And I'd like to know who styled him because I wouldn't have let him walk out there with his Wednesday Adams church girl outfit. That was not. Yeah, what were those socks? (laughs) What were those socks? I know it's 2024, man. I support whatever you got going on. But those socks were just not a good Season two, Wednesday. (laughs) That's that's, that's what it looked like. It was terrible. I mean, Ludacris came out. And little John came out. That was cool. Shit, you know, flashback to two thousand and four, two thousand five. Yeah, right. But like, nah, the halftime show wasn't that great. You know, he took a shirt off. I was like, dude, aren't you like fifty five? How old is Usher now? I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. He's in infinitely better shape than yeah, I am. Yeah, so. good for him. Good for him. But uh, yeah. that's it, bro. That's what you got. I mean, he's got his. He like he's doing his Vegas thing. He's crooning for for women every single night. Like, okay, that's your life. Yeah, and you and you just did the Super Bowl. So like, it's not gonna get better. You got the Vegas residency. You did the Super Bowl in Vegas. Everything is on the decline now. That's, yeah, it was. Um, it is. Yeah, it was. In- it was interesting. It was interesting. But uh, my wife loved it. She was up dancing on the coffee table, <laughs> dancing around the house a little bit. Uh, we kept our daughter up super late so that my wife didn't miss any of it. So I can appreciate that. All right. All right. Maybe, uh, I'll yeah. send pictures of her on the, the coffee table dancing around upon request for anybody who, who <laughs> needs to see that. <laughs> Look, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who needs to see that. Uh, every 49ers fan who thought that uh, we, we, we got the ball first and we're going to score in overtime. The overtime rule, there's been so much drama llama that's come out about it. If you're a Niners player, and you get asked that question after the game, why? Just lie. Did you not realize that you had to score a touchdown? Uh, no, we didn't know the rules. Hold on, full stop. What? The rule's been in place for more than one season now, and it was explained to you at the kickoff, so you didn't forget it. And then you're on camera, hot micing, saying, yeah, I forgot that uh, we both get the ball. You forgot? Yeah. This was a seismic change when the league decided that they were going to allow both teams to possess the ball aptly known as the Josh Allen rule, right? Because he famously keeps losing overtime because he doesn't get a chance to go down and score at least points. So that was weird. Mahomes was visibly shocked. Andy Reid was like, what happened? Uh, And then they go down and they don't go for it. And Kyle Shanahan's reasoning afterwards was, we wanted the ball third. What? You had a 10-point lead. You watched that lead evaporate. You watched them tie the game when you're not scoring any points. And then you take that momentum and you kick another field goal by giving the ball back to a guy who just marched down and scored two touchdowns. Yeah. Nope. Don't get it. I don't get it at all. I, uh, I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, Monday morning or at this point, halfway through the week quarterbacking, it's, it's pretty easy to look at that and, and, and criticize it. But there were several opportunities, even with that field goal, for them to come out and close that game out. And I know we're going to talk about Brock Purdy here in a second, but. He's not the reason they lost no, that game in any capacity. Not. He had three come-from-behind uh, lead changes to go into the tail end of that game, <clears throat> including overtime. This was a defensive collapse. Well, there's there's two main things we'll get into, but uh, this was not by any way on him. That defense had plenty of opportunities to shut this game out. Fourth and one, couldn't close it out. The third and thir- long. From the 30, the Chiefs 30. Fourth and one from the Chiefs, 36, and they just let him convert. 
Like, yeah, like like, you had third and long and you decided to send everybody while also giving like a 15 yard cushion. Like it didn't, (laughs) there was so much about that play calling. I know everyone's talking about the defensive coordinator getting fired and, and uh, wasn't because of the Super Bowl. That Super Bowl was probably a pretty big determining factor Mm -hmm. in what was going on for the entire first half of that game. They looked incredible. They still kind of, they they held their own per se. You knew they were going to go in and, and make some adjustments uh, on the Chiefs side and come out and play a different looking game. It happens every time against the Chiefs. When no matter what the score is or what's going on, they make some incredible halftime adjustments to come out, and it's like a whole different game. Uh, I don't feel like the Niners' defense made those same adjustments, and ultimately they ended up paying for it. But there was some really really tough questionable calls on defense coming uh coming down that home stretch and i as as like i'm not buying necessarily the reason they lost is because they got the ball first i mean they put themselves in a position to win that game they just failed to close it it out go for it go for a touchdown and there's there's a possibility let's say they decide to defer mahomes still goes down and scores right correct but then you know exactly you know exactly what you need to do. You need to go down, score a touchdown, uh, to keep the game going, or go for two and win it. Like, and, let and let them show you what they're going to do first. Your defense hasn't stopped right. them for the behalf of the game. It just it makes no sense to me. Well, that's that's, I guess that's my point is that the defense struggled in the second half. So why not get yourself up and put the pressure on them to actually have to go out and do something? instead of giving them the cushion, because they already showed they could stop your offense if need be with the bend-don't-break style uh, coming into the tail end of that game. Yes, Brock Purdy was able to come in and take the lead a few times, but your defense was standing up enough against some of that to have more confidence than maybe the Niners' defense going into it. So I know a lot of it's like, well, why wouldn't you and, and, and whatnot. I don't know if I... In in hindsight, was it a bad call? Sure. If they came out and won that game, would we still be having the same conversation? No. Of course not. He might look like a genius. Hey, you came out, you had trouble scoring in the second half, you went right into overtime, you marched down the field, you put pressure on them by putting boards on the board, your defense was able to come out and make the stop like they did in the first half. This would be such a drastically different conversation. The difference is Patrick Mahomes decided he was going to run the ball the entire you know, last quarter and going into overtime, that's very difficult to account for when you're constantly giving a buffer to stop that first down. For me, the one that really, really broke this was, uh, it was like third and third and six, third and seven. For whatever reason, on that particular play, they sent everybody. Mm-hmm. Instead of containing the line, have your players all come back. Make them make them aware of where that first down marker is and just protect that with your life. No, they sent everybody and had four guys back and it was just almost as wide open as that touchdown was at the end of the game. It's it's almost as bad uh it as <laughs> I'm just chuckling because you know, you put it in the show notes and then you have to Google it and you're like, This can't be real, but it's real. It, it, the OT rule drama llama is almost as bad as the uh, the Twitter fingers crowd who is like, why was Chris Jones allowed to go unblocked on a rush on, on third and four, right? 
if if Purdy makes that throw there, it's a touchdown. Yeah, all the pressure's on. Maybe they don't even go to OT. And uh, John Feliciano says, "Yeah, that's not Colton's guy. And if the guy who was supposed to block him blocked him, we're not talking about this." And I'm just sort of like, "Holy shit, dude!" And then he apologized afterwards. Right? And I was hung he, over a bitch. He's, yeah, he's like, "I'm hung over." Like, "Oh, okay, okay." Just don't say the quiet part out loud, okay? The, the, I'm, I'm hung over, and I was being a bitch. Was exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I mean, the guy's the guy's big. He's all tatted up, and he plays in the NFL. So, like, I guess he he can he can self own himself. But uh, wow, just wow. I was shocked. Like when that when that play happened, and I'm like, they're just gonna let Chris Jones. Like, there were so many times where Purdy. I have it all the way down here at the end, but we can bounce around. Like, I talked a lot of shit about Purdy. I kind of thought he would run out of magic. I was very surprised to see Purdy stay in the pocket and deliver dimes and take massive hits because Spagnolo, just like I predicted, threw the kitchen sink, the dishwasher, the microwave, and the goddamn stove at him. And he took some massive hits and he delivered some incredible on time throws. Um, the Chiefs just played absolutely out of their mind on defense. Spags is a wizard. I mean, he held both uh, Ayuk and Debo to like 30 total yards, right? George Kittle, four yards, two receptions. It's just, it's just insane. Like, remember, I, I said this. I said, what if they just let like McCaffrey just kind of go crazy? And you were like, what? Why would they do that? McCaffrey had 50 rushing yards and a touchdown and another 50 receiving yards. Like, if the Niners win that game, you have a very, very tough conversation between who's the MVP. Is it McCaffrey or is it Purdy? Because both of them like played out of their minds uh, to get the team there. And it just, it just, you, you do have to feel a little bad for Niners fans. I don't because uh, it's forever fucked the 49ers as a Seahawks fan. But Purdy is not the problem. I hope that they do some sort of extension for Purdy. He's going to make $958,000 next year. And he's by far and away the best quarterback. There isn't someone in the draft I think they would take over him. And there's not someone who's a potential free agent that they should take. Like he has command of the offense. Again, I want to know what scouts looked at him and said, this guy's not it because I want them fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, does he, how does he go last pick overall in the draft? And, and I get that, you know, when you fall to a certain amount, if there's just not a, a, a big demand, like, yeah, it's, it's slim pickings. But like all 32 teams, my team included, didn't even have a, a draft grade on this guy. And, and the Niners take him with the last available pick. Just because. And I'm not, I, I know it's going to sound like I'm, draw, I'm not drawing any comparisons here. I'm just saying, my guess is it happens more often than what we, what we would expect. Mm-hmm. Guys just don't get an opportunity to get out and prove themselves. Like, yeah. We saw it with Brady, and we hear the scouting report. Doesn't have a strong arm. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. something that they pound in, into your head every time there's a conversation about him, and they replay the drafts. Scouting report doesn't have a good arm. He's not very fast. He doesn't see the ball. Or he doesn't see the field well. Blah 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 blah. Obviously, we all know how that turned out. Brock Purdy is probably in that same boat. If we heard some of those conversations, I'm sure there are plenty. Like Kyler Murray was another one. Now, yep. I think Kyler Murray and I actually think Brock Purdy is a much better quarterback actually than Kyle Murray. But maybe we haven't seen everything that Kyler has to offer because he's been injured, right? So, uh, but you constantly heard hand size, height. All of those things going into oh, yeah. it. And he came out relatively high in the draft. So my guess is the league is probably smattered with like decent to good quarterbacks who are just relegated to the bench and are never going to get an opportunity because they may not have thought the highest of them 
coming into the uh, coming into the league and they're playing behind someone who happens to be playing decent, right? So I I'd be curious to see. Like, I mean, obviously, there's no way to quantify that, and there's no way to even like consider right. or prove it. But I'm I'm willing to bet that for for every late round pick, there's probably a, like one or two quarterbacks that are in there that never get to see their full potential because they just never get the opportunity. I think this goes to show that Brock Purdy can still have success without all of his weapons working on all cylinders. Debo Samuel was banged up for a lot of that game. He, I thought he was going out and not coming back in. George Kittle went into the locker room at one point and came back out. So those guys were banged up. And as far as letting McCaffrey go crazy, they didn't. He averaged like three and a half yards per carry. Where he made the, He's difference. the reason he why that the offense, when no one else in the offense is clicking, and then they get that 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 weird trick play, and McCaffrey just takes it up the up to the house. Like he he gave the offense a spark that it needed. He made the, right, the defense think, like actually choose to sell out and stop Debo, not sell out to stop him. So, I mean, that why the, this is why stats don't matter, right? Like he didn't he didn't get tons and tons of yards, right? But he still I mean, he was very fine. One hundred and sixty. Actually, you were off a little bit by your numbers, but I think I'm just think, saying this, this shit is bananas. Like, like he yeah. would have been the MVP had they won that game. Yeah. And I think so now that we're now that we're sort of like in the, the thick of it, we can talk about it. But in, in terms of why I think they lost this game, I think it was offensive play calling. And I don't know if those were coming in from the coach or the offensive coordinator, but they just completely abandoned what got them there. Uh-huh. Like. Isn't it weird the how whole, like like primo teams do that? Like, like the whole they, they second either, half, they like the run or they they pick the pass and they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah, like McCaffrey was clearly doing well enough. Why not continue feeding him the ball if nothing mm-hmm. else but to take time off the clock while you're ahead? And they didn't. They threw the ball at one point like six passing plays in a row, and I think both of them resulted in a, a three and out. It was. Like something about the game plan in the second half, whether it's a look they saw or something, drastically changed what that offense was doing, and they never reverted back ever. So, <clears throat> like that's that's strange. And I, before we even go down the path of like, well, Brock Purdy, that's because he doesn't call play. Neither does Patrick Mahomes. That's why he does that stupid little head tilt with the little, <laughs> the little G spot finger the whole time. Jazz, jazz I, I don't know why jazz- I. Come on, come on, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Whoa, what? Yeah. I don't know why I hate that so much. That. Does the head lean? Yeah, and the finger thing. Probably because he's looking at the defense like we all did, and he goes, "These motherfuckers really, they're." Yeah, okay. He does That's it all game. All right, cool. Hey, hey, Trav, Trav, come here. You're, yeah, yeah. Run decoy. We're gonna get whoever. You, my you my guess have... is, my guess is, this is what he's doing to whoever the radio operators are, saying, "I hear you. Keep going." It might be like a a <laughs> habit like, thing. It's like when Omaha, you know, Peyton Manning pretty much said Omaha was just the word that he used to change the play. And we're like, yeah, but no, but he's not even doing it back and forth. He's not doing it in the huddle anywhere. He's not. He's doing it pre huddle. It's when he goes to the sideline and he's looking for the play call, because believe it or not, Patrick Mahomes gets fed all of his plays like every other quarterback. He's not out there calling all of his plays, but he's just doing this. Doesn't have a little wrist wrist thing. I mean, they all they all have it. So for audibles or like if you need like if you have play options or, or whatever, you can make some modifications, but he isn't out there doing what uh, Manning and Brady and Rogers were able to do, where they'd go up to the line, look, and then call a play, or they'd go back to the huddle and they'd almost like wave off a coach and be like, "No, no, no, I got this." Like, like they're a a pitcher out there. Um, 
Well, yeah, that weird little, that weird little thing he does, and how he always walks around. With his you guys head can't see tilted. it because you're listening, but he's his his head is tilted and he's doing the little. I again, we're a podcast for the people, but he's doing the swinger club, <laughs> the swinger club finger motion. I'm just, I'm yeah, just yeah. Saying. all I can say is, wife is probably a very happy woman with uh, how quickly those <laughs> things move. But no uh, comment. No Moving comment. on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the the offensive play calling in the second half of the game. And then defensively, that collapse. I won't, I won't say it collapsed because they kept it close. It was tied. They went in overtime. But some of those play calls and then the Chiefs' luck again, 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 again. Sometimes Every single be big game, they have a break that goes that way. And the, the punt off the heel, off the heel. Yep. Uh, Set him up. Uh, a, a Niners player to be deflected. It's just the fumble. The McCaffrey fumble. Well, hold where on. Kittle was out blocking. Yep. And doing his job. And it kind of stopped. And the ball just happened to squirt out behind him. And uh, the Chiefs tight end ended up diving on the ball, even though it was literally like feet away from, from Kittle. Yeah. There's a video going around of him kind of talking shit. And then the tight end like running around and, and jumping on the ball for the for the turnover but yeah i mean the guy um, that did that leo chanel was a, a draft pick for them he, he was very big in this game uh, yeah george Karloftis, another draft pick for them like d- did a lot of work like that was a turning point in the game uh much in the same way that i mean in the same way that you want to talk about how like tip passes shouldn't really be counted as interceptions like mahomes gifted them like i don't know what he was looking at there when he threw that ball and yeah. you know the, the niners got a good bounce came up with it and they did what they were supposed to do. I, I I think what I struggle with the most is that like you can make the team out to be a villain, but like the Chiefs came prepared. You knew they're going to be prepared. And for the like a team like the Niners, if you just follow Kyle Shanahan's 0-3 in the Super Bowl now, right? So the first loss as the O coordinator can't really put on him, right? He goes against the greatest coach and quarterback of all time, and they give up and they it's a complete team collapse. So I hold Dan Quinn responsible mostly for that one. Um, but then the first time 28 to three and yeah, you lose yeah, the game. Yeah. That's on you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't the head coach. Dan Quinn was right. So right. like you, you gotta, I'm sorry. If you're the head coach, you, you take the dubs and you also hold those L's. Um, but then the first Super Bowl, yo, you're up big. And then you let them come back and roar right by you and you go meekly out and you go, all right, cool. We're going to go get a, a dynamic running back. We're going to get a, a better quarterback. We're going to, kind of move some defensive pieces around and and try and be version 2.0. And you do the same thing. That, to me, says that it's not about the players. It's about something else, right? Coaching, scheme, play calling, tendencies, whatever it is, they have you. They figured it out. So I know that the Niners are the favorites to go back next year. And if the Chiefs do three-peat like they're trying to say they're going to, I, I mean, I think we would love to see round three of this, um, especially after this Super Bowl. But I would, if 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 the same if the same thing happens next year, and it's Chiefs Niners version three, I'm still not picking the Niners because there is something that teams have figured out. If Dan Campbell can put up twenty something on the Niners, and then can't hold it, I mean, hey, it's his first time in that 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 position as the head coach, like. Okay, I, I I get it. I understand. My problem is that Shanahan just keeps finding himself involved in these incredible heartbreaks. And as a guy who's a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, after that heartbreak of a Super Bowl loss, like 
the teams fracture. They they do they do break. So if if you don't make it back very quickly and you don't fix what is wrong, then like yeah. your your team is gonna just meagerly go out. And Niners what's, fans, they're not gonna be happy about that. But that's that's what they have to face now. Yeah, but what's crazy to me though is, I mean, I guess I have like a more optimistic outlook on all this because here we are talking about a guy who's been in the Super Bowl twice in the last three years, which is more times than most teams have been in the last like several decades. And in this instance, he literally came up like just, he was literally one defensive play away from pulling this thing out against, you know, I know they came in on the books as the favorite, but for almost everybody looking at this game from an analytical standpoint and whatnot, uh, it was either dead even or, or a lot of folks thought that they deserved to lose to the Chiefs. They thought the Chiefs and Mahomes was just a better team, which I suppose they came out and showed that they collectively were as a whole. But I don't, I think we've gotten so accustomed to a high demand or, or a high quality team that has to perform. And I think, unfortunately, I, I think the Patriots are to blame for a lot of that because you had sustained success in football, which everybody talks about how hard it is to go back to the Super Bowl uh, with any regularity, yet they continue to do that. They dominated the AFC. Uh, they won conference and divisional championships year after year after year. And I think it kind of set the tone that teams have to shoot for that or it's a total failure. Yep. How many coaches are in the league that have had four or five or six seasons where they've been bounced first or second round in the playoffs? Like, I mean, Mike Tomlin, uh, mm -hmm. what, what, he's still floating around. Yet, how many Super Bowl appearances do they have for win and losses? I mean, it's it's kind of a weird thing where, yes, has he lost a couple heartbreaks? Has he lost some games where he held the lead and should have won? Sure. But he just lost. So arguably one of the best coaches ever, uh, who's quickly nipping at the heels of Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, or at least in that conversation for some folks. Easily the top, we'll, we'll call him top five, right out, right out of the gate. True. We're, we're talking Tomlin about has two Travis Super Bowls, Kelsey. by the way. Huh? Two Super Bowls, but only one with Pittsburgh. Right, but how, how in, in what time span? Well, he, he won one as an assistant coach with Tampa Bay. So that's what, 99? Nope, I'm talking 2000. about head coach. Head coach. So comparing in... him directly to Kyle Shanahan in his head coach position. Well, I mean, I mean, he's at least one. Where Kyle Shanahan's had three cracks at it and hasn't won a single time. So to me, Tomlin. Two cracks at it. Greater than coach. Two cracks as a coach. Tomlin has won one as a head coach? Yes. Okay. How many has he been to since then? No, I can't remember. I mean, I mean, obviously not, because he had one of the right. one of the craziest, most dysfunctional offensive teams of the modern era. Sure, killer bees. But yet, here we are, not talking about Tomlin getting replaced because his team, the benchmark for him is that he finishes above five hundred every year. What about McCarthy? Huh? What about McCarthy? So that's exactly. So here we are talking about a coach who's gone to the Super Bowl, has damn near pulled one of them out. Uh, yet we're talking about whether his future is in jeopardy and people need to move on for it. Like, that's how spoiled fans have become in sports. It's championships or bust, mm -hmm. except 
McCarthy except, has one Super Bowl win, by the way. So he's still better than Shanahan. But how many times has he been to the Super Bowl? If we got it up. I mean, I think probably one. <laughs> so that's that's my point. That's my point. So we got a guy who's getting there and has almost crossed the finish line and literally just came up minutes short of winning the whole thing. He, a defensive stop. Um, if they didn't muff that punt and they didn't get turnover, I think they win this game. I think Potentially. there's a bunch of what-ifs throughout this. There was a pass that Mahomes made that went deep that the defender lost track of the ball. If he didn't, that's an interception. Also would have won the game. He happened to turn, and he looked to see where Mahomes was, didn't realize the ball was already in the air, sailed easily just over his head. If he had, like, jumped, his helmet would have gotten in the way. Like, it should have been a turnover, just missed it. That's that's more a failure on or an oversight on his end than I think that was a miraculous throw by Mahomes. That shouldn't have been a throw that he made. If he If that was a turnover, we'd be talking about how bad of a decision that was. It just so happens to be the defender got turned around, lost sight of the ball, and that, and that was it. So there was so many moments in that game that would have changed the outcome of this game. So I like I'm not here ready with the pitchfork and the and the torches to burn the whole thing down. But then why? Like, oh my god! Why is Shanahan doing that though? Like I understand that uh, Wilkes wasn't the most fantastic defensive coordinator, right? And they couldn't stop the run, and and they lost the Super Bowl in terrible fashion. But like. There are some serious, like you point out, special teams and offensive calls that, like, why is Wilkes the only getting fired? Like, the 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 discussion around the around the league and around the media world is that the two of them never really saw eye to eye on the coaching styles and cool. the way that they. He held a, a three times Super Bowl MVP to nineteen points in regulation, and he got fired. It doesn't make he sense. Also, what's that? It doesn't make sense. He also gave up late yardage on terrible calls in sure. overtime to to seal the sure. deal. So but for again, every Mike good McCarthy they had. Dan Quinn, Bill Belichick at the end of his career. Like terrible defensive calls. Like do, do you do you give the person the benefit of the doubt or not? And if like if if San Francisco really wanted to run it back, this is the most complete version of that team. Have a stern talking to, but bringing in a brand new defensive coordinator voice and like the way that they were ready to fight for that team after Dre Greenlaw, like, ruptures Achilles, which I am not going to give Niners fans any conspiratorial credit, okay? But they did play on a shittier field the majority of the week up to the Super Bowl, right? And maybe there was, maybe there was a micro tear. Maybe there was something that Dre Greenlaw was going through before, but it's a terrible way for that guy to be, like, warming up and getting out to go on the field. And like it was just terrible. The camera's like right on him. Like you just witnessed it happen, and you're like, "Shit, this game is going to yeah. be massively different." And it was. Yeah. And that's, that's what you're talking about. Like with the luck, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs used momentum like definitely to their advantage. That block kick was huge. After you set a Super Bowl record as a kicker, and you get outdone by another two yards by their kicker. Like oh, and that's that's another thing. Holy uh, shit! I, I yeah. made. I made a I made field goal. Like if that field goal didn't get missed, it never goes into overtime. So like maybe yeah. There's just there's just so many little things. But I think it's disingenuous to just sit here and have a conversation about whether uh, Shanahan should be is he the future? Is he not the future? He should go because he blew a couple leads, and then say, well, why are they firing a, a defensive coordinator? I'm not saying why he not needs to be fired. I'm saying that there needs to be a, a hard look in the mirror because there's something that he's putting out there. 
in his team, whether it's on film, whether it's vibe, whatever. They're like other folks know they can just they can weather the storm and they're going to win the game eventually. Well, but I, I don't I mean, I guess I guess we watched two completely different playoff runs and seasons because there wasn't a whole lot of teams that were able to go out and stop this team. This was again Except the Ravens, the Ravens go ahead and thump them. Sure. I mean, the Lions. How many times did the current Super Bowl champions uh, lose this season? Yeah, quite a bit. They lost in, in, six in times. In fact, one of, one of the worst losses that we've seen in NFL history uh, to an interim Raiders team. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like we can't judge a team off of a regular season loss. Absolutely. The same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can. Fuck Kyle Shanahan. Well, then why are we not having the same conversation about the, the Chiefs then? The same reason that I gave you for why uh, Lamar Jackson was the MVP, because winning solves everything. Like you already said it earlier in the episode, like if the Chiefs lose this game, we are talking about why did you throw that duck there? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? But yeah, when but they have a whole bunch coach. of Yeah, but I mean, you would have to look and, at Andy and say, did you really think you could repeat by throwing that, you know, that terrible play call out there? But we just wouldn't, we generally would not be having the same conversation if the roles were reversed, we wouldn't. We just wouldn't. And we wouldn't be talking about a loss they had in the regular season, even though they got off to one of the worst starts they've had in the last like 10 years. We wouldn't. I mean, but, but this was supposed just, to be the, year, the conversation. Yeah. This was supposed to be the year. This is the weakest that the, the Chiefs ever been. They don't have an offense. The defense is carrying a team. Mahomes is inconsistent, blah, 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 all this stuff. And they made it. And they fucked around and won the Super Bowl. I mean, they have three if, of if the we best. Get version, we, if we get version three of this, like I, I don't think it's going to go. And, any is, and I guess this is where I keep complaining about like the the biggest complaint about Purdy is all the weapons he had. He's only good because he has all the weapons. Here we are talking about the opposite. The other team has three of the best folks to ever quarterback, tight end. I mean, the the conversation for last week has been who's better, Gronk or or Kelsey, right? We, we've already forgotten Gates and Gonzalez and all those other guys, apparently. But the conversation is uh, Travis Kelsey is the best to ever do. So he's in there. You have the best quarterback or, or one of the better quarterbacks ever. And you have one of the best coaches out of there. So, like, they have I – don't, I don't care how rough their start was. I don't care about any of that stuff. They have three guys on that team who should be able to help them rally. And then on the other side of the ball – their defense is one. I mean, it it was it's been relatively stout for the entire second half of this season. Like they they traded for Cole Hardman in in November to bring extra weapons in going into yep. the playoff run. Yep. So it's and, and and that worked right. So Tim, two questions for you. First one: yeah. Can the Niners make it back next year? I don't see why they can't. Because like, what what gives you confidence in that? Because they're returning everything except for the defensive coordinator, practically. Uh, because everyone but the defensive coordinator is coming back, so you still have. Yeah, but that's uh, a big phase of the game. That's thirty-three and a third percent of the game, arguably fifty percent. But I think quality. I mean, I think quality defensive players are able to make those adjustments. You just got to figure out. We just got to see what his what his defensive schemes or play callings like. He's not going to come in here and just completely write, rewrite everything that's there. The coach is still in place. But you still have, like, Chase Young, Fred Warner, 
You have Bosa. You have some of the best defensive players in the league that aren't going anywhere, and they're all hungry to get back and show that they can win this game. And who's to say that a change of, of pace there isn't going to be a deal breaker? If, it, if this literally came down to like one or two defensive plays that really changed the outcome of this game, how do we know that this guy coming in is going to drastically change and, and be an improvement? We don't. We're just speculating. We've already talked about two Super Bowls where they gave up and multiple 10 point leads. Multiple 10 point leads. So maybe defensively they aren't as stout as what we are trying to claim they are. And maybe when you're looking in the mirror and saying, okay, where did we really drop the ball in both of these Super Bowl losses? Point the finger at the defensive side of the ball. Why isn't that where you where you start with your change? And then next year, if they come back and they fail, then you look at the offensive side and see if maybe play calling on the offensive side, which does deserve to be scrutinized. But this team had some of the best offensive output of every team in the entire season. They're basically between one and third in all offensive uh, categories the entire season. So offensively, for the majority of the season, that wasn't an issue. Uh, the games that they lost, they tend to give up a lot of points. They were getting run all over by Lamar Jackson. It's not an offensive issue. It's a defensive issue. True, now, you can, he's you the can defensive coordinator for this say, year only. Huh? You, you, he's the defensive coordinator for this year only. But I'm Last talking about changes Atlanta. in general. Like, if they haven't found anything that's kind of fit what they're looking for defensively, which it seems to be somewhat of a struggle, like, why not continue shuffling that around to see if you can figure out what that is? I mean, you're going to fire the offensive coordinator? I mean, do I think he should have been fired? No, I don't I don't think so. But if if him and the coach aren't on the same page, which it sounds like wasn't the case. Now, I don't know. Some of those conversations could be motivated by other factors that the yeah, folks I- discussing it may have. Um I know he has a lot of support amongst a lot of the the former players who are now on television. So, you know, don't know what everybody's uh, soapbox that they're speaking from represents. So there there is some of that. But I don't – do I think he should have been fired? No. Do I think there was a lot of miscues in the second half of that game? Yes. Were there miscues against the Lions? Also, yes. And if your defensive coordinator – is starting to come up short or put your success in jeopardy in the biggest games. Maybe that is something to to put underneath the microscope and take a look at. And we don't know what those conversations looks like afterwards or what those conversations on the sidelines were. Maybe they really, really didn't see eye to eye. Who knows what that relationship was like. But it seems that the two of them never really uh, found their footing or never really meshed. I don't think Kyle Shanahan is what's wrong with that team. I think could he have made some better decisions? Jordan is coming out and saying, I don't know the, or his, his players coming out and saying, I didn't know the rules while uh, the Chiefs are saying they ran through still, that drill. Still a, a crazy to times. me. Still crazy to me. Is you've it never a heard? Of, yes. You've never heard a Patriots player say that ever. You, ha- you, you haven't heard almost any player say that. And I, I have a feeling whoever said it, Kyle Uchek, leave his mouth. Kyle Uchek. A, a guy's been with the one. team for a long time. I know. I know. That's, wasn't the only one. They're, but they're all mic'd up <laughs> during the Super Bowl. That's the worst part, dude. Like, you're never getting away from that, right? Like, unless unless there is video of someone saying, like, dude, why did you say that? I'd be like, well, because Steve Wilkes didn't tell me. Like, 
then sure, I guess, right? Because you would have lost the locker room at that point. But yeah, what, you, what you I'm said saying it on is, camera, bro. That is the what, when, I, when I say whoever said it, and I'm saying that because multiple people reportedly have said it. But I mean, what I'm saying is, uh, don't know if if it was like other guys following suit to try and help be supportive and just throwing it out there. I I don't know what that is because I have a hard time believing none of them I mean, that 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 anybody who said it didn't know the rules. I feel like someone misspoke, they let it out, couldn't reel it back in, and then it kind of set off this little weird domino effect <sighs> I, because I, I don't see it. They that said way. it. I don't think it's possible. Well, I mean, they literally tell you at the start of it, and it's not the first overtime game they've watched either. There have been regular season overtimes. There have been uh, last season, this season. There have been multiple seasons of regular in-season overtime where they tell you the rules every single time. There's an yeah. NFL memo that goes out when the rule changes happen, and everybody goes over. So it's I'm not buying that they didn't know the rules. I, I, I can't. So, so you you think that you think the Niners can make it back, even even with a, a big new defensive ideology uh, coming on the field? Okay, can the Chiefs yeah. actually three peat? Um, I think them three peating is harder than the Niners getting back. Like, clearly, I would agree. One because going never back been twice done. is incredibly difficult, and they right. almost has been done since two thousand three, two thousand four with the Patriots. Right, and they the almost Altron. yeah they almost. Almost got bounced and lost that opportunity on several occasions mm-hmm. coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the first quarter of the season, you weren't even sure if they were going to be in the playoffs. But yeah, oh, we were we were talking about Super Bowl hangover the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, so, like in my in my mind, do I think? I mean, they are one of the more complete teams as we see. the The magic just tends to kind of fall their way every time. If they make a couple moves this offseason, Shore up maybe some of their uh, defensive line, maybe give Patrick Mahomes a little bit more time and, and maybe add one more weapon because obviously they've got some players on their team that uh, towards the tail end of the season, uh, which which we won't add any fuel to that fire, uh, <clears throat> couldn't keep their, their Twitter fingers to themselves <laughs> and ended up putting themselves in a position where they didn't start. They had some issues with drops. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of opportunities. Uh, I mean... Valdez Scandling is one of those question marks in terms of efficiency on the offensive side. In big moments, he came up with some very big drops. Um, and then also would... in the AFC Championship game, like a very huge reception. And then, uh, yeah. then the, one of the cut, the, the, the key touchdowns in this game. So. Yeah, and, and so that's what I mean. But there's, there's, some, there's some inconsistencies there that, that can't help but waver your confidence in big moments to go to that play. Uh, we saw, I mean, we saw that at the tail end of the season where he dropped what would have been go ahead win um, passes that were right through his hands. So I know Devontae Adams is coming up. Uh, and I think, which would be stupid. It would be so crazy. It would be yeah. so crazy if Devontae Adams or like Mike Evans, for example, because he's not been given a contract yet. Like, I, I, I'm going to say this team right now. That they have? No, I don't think they can three-peat. And one, because it's been 20 years since a team has gone back-to-back. And two, I don't, I don't think that anyone is going to watch film from this season and not adjust to, to Spagnuolo's defense. I mean, to be, to be quite frank, like Spagnuolo is a, a wizard. I don't know how he did what he did, but he pretty much changed the defensive fronts 
it seemed like every single week, perplexed opposing quarterbacks and just kept that team in the game, kept them alive on life support. Like the dude has a contract extension. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. Like his legacy, like is crazy good, crazy good. But at the same time, like there's so much that needs to go back their way again. And there's there's an extra game now. And if they don't get the number one seed and they they have to play 17 full games, they could still get bounced in, you know, the wild card or divisional round weekend. So I I think that's probably the hardest thing. I I think the Niners could make it back. And I I don't think that the the Chiefs could actually three-peat. Now, this changes if, you know, Adams, Evans, Justin Jefferson. I mean, let's let's be frank. The wide receiver free agency class this year is going to be pretty nuts. And I know there's a lot of smoke and mirrors about Devontae going to New York to hang out with his old buddy Aaron, which, yeah, sure. But Devontae, you want to win a ring? Go catch passes from Patrick Mahomes. A younger, better, less crazy version with... Now, a, a, now a, what a happens with, with the Niners is the favorite to go back. I feel like they're going to have a lot of room at the... That negotiation table for a lot of those players. What if they add one of those guys to the roster, right? Like you had a couple guys. It's a good question. Were... I want to see like what they're at cap wise. I'm gonna look it up. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure, but like, Debo Samuel, like he obviously was a a pretty integral part of this. But take, let's let's say Brandon Ayuk, who's also been uh, pretty inconsistent good. at times. But would you would you consider swapping one of those guys out or or uh, Jennings potentially like making some some space for someone like Jefferson or I I don't know if they're gonna sign like a, a another you know, number one talent on the on the free agent market but somebody who could come oh. in and short up. So th- this is this is crazy. Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback provided some insight to the San Francisco 49ers cap situation deeming it impossible given the top heavy cap ledger. He says, quote, the eight aforementioned players combined for about 198 million in cap charges next year. Add on Brandon Ayuk's fully guaranteed fifth year and it jumps to about 212. The cap next year is between 240 and 245, which means the 49ers have to fill 44 other spots in their roster for between 28 million and 33 million, which would be impossible. Um, that's crazy. Like... <laughs> I I don't I mean Trent Williams, thirteen million. Eric Armstead, Nick Boza, ten plus million cap hits. Like this is pretty crazy. Like ten of their ten of their players have a cap hit of fourteen point one million or more, and five are north of twenty million. So this team is not necessarily going to look the same next year. No, but so I mean it's I don't know I don't know we'll have to. uh... We'll have to kind of see what, what the offseason looks like, what changes come come into play. I think as long as they can keep a lot of those. I, I think if it comes down to, to Purdy, McCaffrey, um, Boza, Fred Warner, if those four core guys can stay, I think it doesn't matter what they surround them with. I think they give them a good opportunity to come back just on their own. And anybody else that they uh, can keep, you know, I think kind of shores that up, but those those four give you some of the best opportunities defensively, and obviously McCaffrey is a game changer on his own. Is, if he gets injured, then we're obviously having an entirely different 
conversation than he has been injured in this some extended time. McCaffrey has a fourteen point one million dollar cap hit next year. Trent Williams, thirty one million. Trent Williams, thirty one million. You're paying him. Debo Samuel, twenty eight million. Eric Armstead, twenty eight million. Fred Warner, twenty four million. George Kittle, twenty one million. Charvarius Ward, cornerback, seventeen million. Damn. Damn, 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 damn. Then Dre Greenlaw, the guy that just ruptures Achilles, nine million. Kyle Juszczyk, seven million. Uh, but do we know what the? Have we we got to look and see Hunter, what the two million. Got to see what the uh, what the Chiefs look like. And I, obviously, we keep we're, we're talking about these two teams, but obviously, there's uh, a dozen other teams that could be favorites to uh, come start of the season. Could become favorites to to make the Super Bowl. So I mean, obviously. Holy shit. Lamar's going to be up there. The Lions are going to be up there. Patrick Mahomes, 58 million. Dude, I know. That is insanity. Like, I can't, I don't understand why you don't work it out with him to say, hey, listen, man, we're going to pay you. You know, we're going to pay you. Uh, you're the franchise quarterback for as long as you want to play. Let's work something out here and maybe figure this out in bonuses or, or something. But Harrison let's Bunker. give you 10 million. I mean, let's give you uh, 10 years. Yeah. Harrison Bucker, four and a half million. He's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's the eighth highest paid player on the Chiefs. The kicker. The kicker is the eighth highest played player. Was the Niners have like cap issues at the wazoo? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the more I look into it, maybe I don't think it, it can be. Uh, I will say the last thing that I will say about this Super Bowl is I hate, I hate having to admit that I was wrong. You know, Purdy. Definitely has what it takes to be in the league. He definitely has what it takes. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that uh, Mike McDonald, the new uh, Seahawks head coach, was a, the Ravens DC. And I hope that for at least one of the two games against the Niners uh, for each season to come, that Purdy doesn't do shit, right? I, I'd take splitting with the Niners any day. Um, if, if you're a Niners fan, you probably feel like the world is against us. All this holding call drama llama that everyone's trying to like, that's the new thing everyone's tweeting and sending. But oh, all the Chiefs never get holding calls. Let's let's take a look at this, okay? Uh, Jeff Schwartz, long time, long time player in the league, um, had a tweet in which he talked about the number of holding calls that have occurred. <coughs> excuse me, in the Super Bowl, and I I found this to be fascinating. Twenty twenty three, Chiefs forty niners, one holding call against the Niners. 2022, Kansas City, Philly, zero holding calls. Zero. What happened in that game? 38-35. Uh, 2021, Rams-Bengals, one holding call against the Rams. Uh, 2020, Chiefs, three holding calls. So if you're a Niners fan and you say, oh, Chiefs never get holding calls, eh, done. Because uh, they lost against the GOAT, zero holding calls for Tampa. So Tampa played the most complete, clean game they could. Uh, 2019, when these two teams faced each other, zero holding calls called. And in 2018, the 13-3 stinker, uh, in which Julian Edelman was the MVP of that Super Bowl, uh, New England, zero holding calls, Los Angeles Rams, two. So, like, in season, the refs say, we're going to call holding. And in the postseason, they say, you're not putting this shit on us. They'll hold all you want. I, I don't understand why 49ers fans are getting pissed off and they're saying, Oh, the Chiefs hold. Like, just because Nick Boza said that. Guess what? Nick Boza didn't really have much of an impact. I'm sorry. That's, that's what's what happened. So, 
You can say holding calls all you want, 49ers fans, but just be happy that you made it to the goddamn big dance and you had the defending champion on the ropes. That's what everyone loved about Rocky, right? You come back in Rocky 3 when you lose, you make Rocky 4. So go do that shit. Stop complaining about holding calls because it's dumb. So dumb. Uh, I, I got to verify the accuracy of this, but I just pulled up uh, penalties for the 2023. And? Holds against Kansas City. <laughs> they, lost, they lost 286 yards in total. Uh, in, for the season, yeah. So, I don't know if I necessarily agree that they didn't get any call, uh, they they had no calls uh, against them. But again, I did verify that site. I need to go back and oh, yeah, that site was probably bogus because it's. <laughs> I don't. I don't think twenty four. I don't think. I don't think Jeff Schwartz would put it on Twitter and and not uh, not talk about it. So, I, I'm t- I'm telling you, man, Kansas, Kansas City is right in the middle, ninety six. Okay. Yeah, they're getting plenty of plenty of holding calls. Not in the Super Bowl, apparently, because they ain't call them. So, very very happy, very happy to see the Forty ers lose in a heartbreak way. I I I mean, I gotta I gotta be honest. I I texted multiple Forty ers fans, called them, Facetimed them, and uh, most of them did not answer. And I I followed up those uh, those Facetime requests with a simple text, and it said, "Don't duck the fucking smoke." Uh, and shout out to Carlos, uh, a guy I've been going back and forth with all year. Huge, longtime Niners fan. Uh, he, he took the call. We FaceTimed. We chatted. And he was like, yeah, man, you know they did good. I was like, yeah, you're right. They did. They did. I have to, I have to give it to you. You know what I mean? Like, they, they actually did good. But, you know, if you... Like, got, like, you, you like I said, at the end of it, I didn't really, I didn't really care. I, I mean, I, I cared. I wanted the Niners to win. But it could have gone either way. Like, I knew it was going to be that close of a game. Because you don't want to see Taylor Swift on the field. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't really. I don't really care about that. It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, um, for me, it was Brock Purdy being recognized as a good quarterback. Like this time next year, or like halfway through the season, we should be having a similar conversation as we would with the Joe Burrows of the world. With the, uh, I mean, in my opinion, if you give me Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to go Brock Purdy. I agree. How about uh, uh, Brock Purdy or Jared Goff? Uh, this season, Jared Goff, or last season, Jared Goff? This season, Jared Goff. This season, I'd probably, I'd probably take Goff. I think he did better with fewer weapons. Okay. I mean, David Montgomery um, was incredible this year, and I think he did a lot of the same kind of stuff that Christian McCaffrey did in terms of like keeping things going, but then outside of that, like, uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess he didn't have a ton Brock of Purdy, what? Brock Purdy or Baker Mayfield? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy Although, or CJ Stroud? I think they're very similar, but Stroud is more mobile, but I think, you know, Tom Brady, I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. Tom Brady was out talking with Steve Young about uh, the, the consideration for, for mobile quarterbacks now and how a lot of times uh, they're running because they didn't recognize a play ahead of time, so they're having to scramble. And while they mm-hmm. get the credit for keeping the play alive, 
on the ground and running. The question is, why did you snap the ball if if you didn't see the play in and front you of you? Ready. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's that's tough. I think he's been able to kind of get them out of some bad situations, but I think some of that may have to do because they not a lot of them were design runs. Some of those are him running for his life and extending plays, which is great. It's what Lamar Jackson does. Um but I don't think he's on par with Lamar Jackson, so I don't think he's going to get you out of that much trouble, obviously, as we saw by the playoff picture and, and one of them being absent, the other one uh, not. So I think he's got to rely a little bit less on his feet. Uh, if Lamar is any indication that's not going to win you Super Bowls by relying on your own legs for large portions of every single game. Um so that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I, that one would be a coin flip, but I'd probably lean Brock Purdy just because I think he has, after this season and the playoff run against the teams he went up against, he seems to have some phenomenal awareness in terms of where his players are, the throws to make. He made some incredible, incredible throws in that yeah, game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'd probably say... I'd probably say Brock Purdy. We kind of have the same sample size. Between what about uh, Brock Purdy over Aaron Rodgers? Brock Purdy over Deshaun Watson. Brock Purdy over Russell Wilson. Brock Purdy over Justin Herbert. Uh, I would take him over Russell. Um, He's going to be your quarterback, by the way. So I mean, maybe don't. Maybe don't say all that shit. I don't, th- I don't think he'll be our. Only he'll be our quarterback. Um. Over Rodgers, I mean, Rodgers has shown his ability to, to pull the, the, uh, the Achilles stresses me out a little bit because I think he kind of fucked around with it a little much. So I think there's some concern with, at least in my eyes, and I could be totally wrong, uh, about what that looks like long term. If he comes back, even uh, a percentage of what he was, I think he'll be amazing again. Um uh, I worry a little bit that he's going the Brett Favre route and just hanging on just a little bit too long. But when that's going to happen, I don't know. Everyone was calling for Tom Brady's demise for about eight years and he kept on chugging right along. So Aaron Rodgers could come out and, and kind of sling the ball all over the place. Uh, I'd probably go Rodgers, obviously over Purdy, except if you're talking future, uh, future success, I'd go Purdy just for the developmental years. Okay. Very interesting. No further questions, Your Honor. Right. The defense rests its case. <laughs> now you would you take Brock Purdy over Russ Wilson? Uh yeah, probably right now. Brock Purdy or Geno Smith? Geno. Yeah? Yep. One of them was in the playoffs, one was not. Yeah, one was a comeback player of the year, one wasn't, even going all the way to the Super Bowl. Because he lost to Joe Flacco, he came off the couch. So just say that. <clears throat> one has a, a great Ferrari and a wide receiver, and the other one has a whole bunch of Honda Civics that are from the Fast and Furious eras. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuels are uh, Honda Civics with spoon engines and 2.0 turbos on them. They're not like your typical running back. They're not your typical wide receiver. They're not lean and fast like uh, like Ferraris. Okay, DK yeah. Metcalf's a fucking Ferrari. Yeah, my son, uh, my son wore the the DK Metcalf jersey by the way during the. Uh. Year. Excellent. He wanted to wear a football jersey. I'm like, all right, buddy, you can wear this one if you want. He said, okay. Um, yes, uh, I, I think I'd probably take Purdy over Gino. Mm. 
He just had multiple years to prove himself, but hasn't. So it's weird that this late in his career, without any major injuries or anything, he'd be considered a comeback player for just not coming off the bench. Yeah, having well, some success. I, I guess. I guess we'll never know if. Uh, I mean, if Gino gets the best of Purdy in the next two seasons, you know, two games next year, then I think you'll have to recant this. You have to edit this out. Um, one alibi before we end the show. This episode of Stats Matter. Caitlin Clark, 49 points tonight, sets Iowa program record uh, for total NCAA points. She's breaking the NCAA Division I women's all-time scoring record that was held by Washington's Kelsey Plum. Just fantastic. Unbelievable. What a story. What a fucking story. I, uh, I I meant to record that so that I could go back and watch it, but uh, I forgot to set it up, so uh, it's not going to happen, but good for her. I'm sure it'll I, be. I was going to put money on it. I, uh, I was going to put money on it. Was he going to make it tonight? No, no, no. no, no. I, uh, I almost put money on it for yesterday. Ah. I, I ended up not, so. Well, good, because you would have lost money because she made it today, but. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, good for her. Shout out. Uh, also, isn't there, um, who's, who's it during this weekend? Is there a three-point competition between Steph Curry and, and yep. Sabrina and, Ionescu? Yes, and some of the betters on uh, on the worldwide leader today were saying to take her over Steph, which is crazy because then they proceeded to show Steph making it from like the tunnel in like crazy parts within. True, within the court, so true. But you know, there's there's something my wife's always said. She's like, women's basketball players have to be so technically sound, right? They're, they're not often known for using physicality to push someone out of the lane or absolutely dominate in the paint and on, on route to, to dunking the, the basketball. So, like, their shots are more perfect. They're more pure. I, I think this is interesting. It's not just, it, it's, it kind of gives me like Billy Jean. Uh, sorry, Billy. Yeah. No, Billy King. I should know that. I'm going to look that up so I don't, so I don't mess that up. But, like, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, t- the tennis match, right? Yeah. Anything you can do, I can do better, right? Like it, uh, Billie Jean King. See, I got yeah. that was close. You, you were close, very close. I was um, letting you work through it. Appreciate you. Shout out to Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, <I> <laughs> That's the worldwide leader. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it could be close. I also think Steph could, I think Steph could win because he has a, he has a much quicker release. And I think that's in those waning seconds, if it's close, I think he can go up. Or if he's down a few, he can he can make it, you know, tie it or, or send it. But I'm very interested. Is that going to be on the worldwide leader this weekend? I don't know. Or is it like one of those actually. like it's only on the zone or Peacock or some bullshit? It's like the match. It'll be on like TNT. Uh... <laughs> you watch Ways Management. Uh, where's it gonna be? Where's it gonna be? Oh, I think it'll be. It's gonna be part of the all. Okay, all right. Oh, I think it'll be broadcast on ESPN, probably. Interesting. Oh, TNT. May TNT. Uh, Saturday night, beginning at eight o'clock. Okay, Saturday, eight o'clock. Be there or be square. <laughs> All right, everybody. That'll do it for this football season. That's right. We'll uh, 
We'll come up with some nonsense to talk about next week. Maybe maybe we'll let the the wives and and Sam uh, take over for a podcast and go bachelor crazy. We'll, don't worry, we'll give you guys a a heads up that that's coming, so you know which one to skip. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. We need the download, so set it set yeah. it to auto download. Yeah, so we have uh we have some NBA All Star this week, which you know I'm I'm kind of a passive fan about, but I'll, I'll give it a look. Uh, we'll talk some Celtics coming up. Celtics hey. are currently uh, one of the favorites to win with Tatum, I think, like fifth uh, in the MVP race uh, so far. That man is unstoppable. Uh, they're on a six-game tear at home. So, got that. The Bruins are doing well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Could be a good time to come in and start talking about it and fuck it all up. Talk some Formula One because I hear there's some uh, there's oh, some team changes. Oh yeah, yeah, team changes. Uh, there's a dick pic saga. The the off season is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And that's not the Drake, doing. not the Drake saga, which we're going to no, avoid. But, but but very close, very close. <laughs> uh, real quick, did he leak it himself? Drake, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's he's vain enough to try to stay relevant. But I mean, he did in the in the ASAP Rocky song, fucking problem. He, he, there is a line in there. He said, "This long, long ain't ain't for everyone," and I think everyone was like, "Whatever, Drake." And now there's now I've not seen the video, okay? But I've yeah, right six, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I've 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 talked to enough people who have. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, and, and well, come on, Dave Portnoy's putting content out about it, being like, "Oh, I've seen it." I'm like Dave, how many times did you watch it? This weird dude. Yeah, he's he's a little weird dude. Successful, but a weird dude. Aren't aren't they all? <laughs> Just Shout out Elon Musk. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. <laughs> oh.